tragedy in Indianapolis, a mass shooting at FedEx. Today, we'll talk with Congressman Andre Carson. Plus, the pandemic and a vaccine now on pause. We'll hear from Indiana Senator Todd Young and Marion County Health Director Virginia Kane. And as we approach the end of this year's session, we talk school funding and the battle over the governor's emergency powers with State Senator Eddie Melton and State Senator Ron Holtick. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. The eyes of the nation are on Indianapolis today in ways that we would never have hoped for. Heartbreak in Indiana after a mass shooting last Thursday night at the FedEx ground facility in Indianapolis. Now with flags at half-staff at the State House and around the country. Calls for action are mounting as police investigate how this happened and why. Jesse Wells is in Indianapolis today with the latest. Jesse. Good morning. The mayor, the police chief, and the FBI all spoke about the shooting on Friday, hours after the violence erupted here at the FedEx ground facility in Indianapolis. Now, the shooting started late Thursday when police say a man shot multiple people both inside and outside the building before taking his own life. Governor Holcomb issued a statement Friday calling it a heartbreaking day and saying he was shaken by the shooting. The governor added in times like this, words like justice and sorrow fall short in response for those senselessly taken. He also ordered flags across the state to be flown at half staff through this coming Tuesday. Mayor Joe Hogsett also shared his thoughts on the shooting and said, while it's hard to make sense of these kinds of tragedies, now is not the time to despair. Now tragedies like this continue to occur again and again. They joined the Indianapolis community in trying to understand this senseless violence. And it seems to me that beyond the need of comfort for the grieving, we must guard against resignation or even despair. The assumption that this is simply how it must be and that we might as well get used to it. We need the courage that compels courageous acts that push past weariness. The mayor also pointed out this is now the third mass casualty shooting in Indianapolis this year and thanked all the first responders who came to the FedEx facility to try to investigate the case. Jesse Wells, back to you. Jesse, thanks. President Joe Biden issued a statement Friday saying gun violence is an epidemic in America, but says we should not accept it. We must act. He goes on to say, God bless the eight fellow Americans we lost in Indianapolis and their loved ones. We also heard Friday from Vice President Kamala Harris. Yet again, we have families in our country that are grieving the loss of their family members because of gun violence. There is no question that this violence must end, and we are thinking of the families that lost their loved ones. Now, Friday, we also heard from Indiana Congressman Andre Carson, who spoke one-on-one -on -one with our Melissa Crash. I think we have to come together as a community. You know, I'm, I'm urging the state government of Indiana to act on gun violence prevention. 
you know, states across the country are enacting legislation to repeal handgun permits. It's insane. So what, what do you think needs to happen next? What are you pushing for? Well, at the federal level, Congress is taking action to stop gun violence. First, we have to reinstate the assault weapons ban. Uh, it never should have lapsed after Congress passed the Brady Bill. Uh, Military-style weapons have no place in civil society. Every mass shooting is different, we know. No single policy can prevent them all. But to say there's nothing we can do is, is totally false. We're also hearing from our senators, Republican Senator Mike Braun, saying our hearts are mourning for the individuals who've senselessly lost their lives, all their loved ones and co-workers at FedEx who will be dealing with this tragedy for a long time to come. And Senator Todd Young said the shooting at FedEx was a senseless tragedy. Indiana and the nation mourn for the lives lost and forever changed that night. More on the shooting coming up. This week, I also asked Senator Young for his thoughts on the other big story this past week, the J&J &J vaccine now put on pause because of a handful of severe side effects. I asked him what it means for the efforts to vaccinate people here in Indiana and across the country. Are you concerned about the impact that may have when it comes to vaccine hesitancy? And what's your message for Hoosiers who may have some concerns? Oh, people need to be able to trust their government. So uh, the CDC, Centers for Disease Control, saw a problem out there. The public health experts are, are looking to remedy that and figure out uh, the causes of that. I understand it's a very isolated situation as it relates to uh, the J&J the &J vaccine. So I hope that we can resume uh, providing vaccines to as many Hoosiers and other Americans uh, as quickly uh, as possible and as safely as possible. All right, we'll have more of my interview with Senator Young next week. In the meantime, this week, we also heard from U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, who spoke one-on-one -on -one with our Washington correspondent, Anna Wernicke. U.S. Surgeon General Dr. Vivek Murthy says the CDC and FDA paused the use of the single-dose Johnson & Johnson vaccine in order to give health officials enough time to review the data. What it means is that the system is working well to identify any potential threats. Murthy says increasing awareness of the rare potential severe type of blood clot will save lives. These clots are different from the traditional clots that people get that respond to blood thinners. They have to be treated in a different and special way. Administration officials say the decision was made out of an abundance of caution. People continue to get supply out the door as soon as it's available. White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator Jeff Zients says the administration is working to make sure anyone scheduled for a J&J &J vaccine appointment gets rescheduled for a Pfizer or Moderna vaccine. This week, we will make 28 million doses of Pfizer and Moderna available. And Dr. Anthony Fauci says right now the focus is restoring trust and confidence in the vaccines. It should reinforce in those individuals how we take safety so seriously. We want people to feel confident that the vaccines they're getting are both effective and safe. And that means having safety systems in place that can catch signals and investigate them uh, when they arise. In Washington, I'm Anna Warnicke. The situation left the state scrambling to replace those J&J &J vaccinations at some of their clinics, including IMS. Meantime, cases continue to rise across the state. This week, we're getting more reaction to the latest developments and what it means here in Indiana as we speak with Dr. Virginia Kane from the Marion County Health Department. Yes, it was expected on our part in the sense that uh, this is spring break, okay? We also lifted a number of our restrictions. 
but we also noted that because the governor and the rest of the state has no restrictions. And Dr. Kane says Marion County doesn't plan to add back any of those restrictions as of right now. Well, coming up, we're going to talk with our panel about the gun control debate in the wake of this week's deadly mass shooting in Indianapolis. But up next, big news at the State House this week as well. Budget talks, billions of additional revenue in the forecast, and a veto override. We'll talk with two state senators about what could be coming in the final days of the legislative session next week. The flag outside the White House at half-staff this weekend to honor the victims of the shooting at the FedEx ground facility in Indianapolis. Flags around Indiana at half-staff as well through Tuesday. We'll have much more with our panel coming up. This week, we're also following the latest news at the State House, where lawmakers are set to wrap up this year's budget writing session in the coming week. This is new revenue projections show the state could have an additional $2 billion to work with in the coming budget cycle. Kayla Sullivan has the latest on what that extra funding could mean for Indiana schools. When it comes to funding education, some lawmakers on both sides of the aisle say Indiana isn't getting a good grade. We continue in this building to pick winners and losers in education, and it's frustrating. This is the time to act right now. There's no excuse. We have the support of the federal government. We can't allow that to push us back and saying that we should not invest as a state in our own K-12 system. So far, lawmakers in both the House and Senate have proposed budgets to expand school voucher programs. Families making up to six figures in the House version can get money from the state to send their kids to private school. Look at our public school facilities. Their infrastructures are crumbling. We haven't given a teacher a pay raise in 100 years. We just keep going around that, but putting hundreds of millions into vouchers. Alting says that's wrong. He's for school choice, but believes people making above the average income have a choice, and that's writing a check for private school. We act like we're punishing the upper middle class or the wealthy. We're not, we're not punishing them that. We're just trying to use our taxpayer dollars in a conservative way. The Indiana State Teachers Association wants $600 million for teacher compensation. With this new revenue forecast, Indiana is now well positioned to go big on K-12 funding. When asked about whether new money will go to education, Senate President Pro Tem Roderick Bray didn't say no. You know, our priorities are our priorities. They're not going to change, making smart strategic investments. And uh, education is obviously 50% of our budget, so that's going to be a big part of our conversation. Lawmakers will continue debating education funding and how to spend the extra revenue until a decision is reached sometime next week. From the Indiana State House, I'm Kayla Sullivan. All right, also this past week at the State House, House and Senate Republicans voting to override the governor's veto on the bill limiting his emergency powers something we also discussed with Senator Melton and Senator Alting this week. I have mixed feelings on that. And the reason why is simply this. A, overall, I thought the governor did a tremendous job. Uh, I wish that he would have uh, brought a few members and leadership in, into the uh, equation a little bit. I don't support the override of the veto. Uh, I'm of the belief that House Bill 1123 and any similar piece of legislation that strips the governor of power during the pandemic or during a crisis is not the right thing for us to do. Um, 
I may not have agreed with everything that the governor has done in terms of uh, the, the pandemic, but I do think he and his team uh, have the best interests of Hoosiers in mind. The governor has signed a, a police reform bill, and obviously that topic is again very much in the news this week with everything taking place in the state of Minnesota. What will this specific bill accomplish and what more do you want to see enacted here in Indiana? Yeah, well, House Bill 1006 is a historic piece of legislation. When we look at uh, what's going on right now uh, with the case of George Floyd and his death um, and the most recent uh, shootings and, and killings, uh, at the hands of, of Black people, at the hands of officers, uh, this legislation is very timely. It's, it passed both chambers unanimously. It had the support of nonprofit and grassroots organization groups, organizers, and it had the support of law enforcement professionals as well. Uh, looking at the banning the use of the chokehold was a significant piece of legislation that we had to get accomplished. And myself and my members of the Black Legislative Caucus here in Indiana, we were very adamant about this. We met with the governor, we met his with his team, and we expressed the concerns of our constituents. Okay, stick around. We'll be back with our panel right after this. Former Vice President and Indiana Governor Mike Pence is recovering from pacemaker surgery. The former VP had previously disclosed a heart condition. A spokesperson says he experienced symptoms associated with a slower heart rate the last two weeks. He is expected to fully recover. Again, the big news this week that we've been following, the shooting in Indianapolis at FedEx, Governor Eric Holcomb ordering flags at half-staff at the State House and across the state of Indiana. They've done the same at the White House as well. I'm going to talk about it all now with our panel, Laura Wilson, Adam Wren, Robin Winston, Mike Murphy, and we start with UND political science professor Dr. Laura Wilson. You know, gun violence has certainly been in the news a lot even before Friday. The president looking to take executive action here at the state level. There was a proposal to get rid of carry permits altogether. That bill appears as if it won't be moving forward. But certainly, Laura, this is an issue that always has a lot of political controversy involved, even in the wake of some very horrendous events like what we saw this past Friday. It absolutely does. And uh, we look at these crimes, oftentimes we'll characterize them as senseless, which is true, but the policies themselves can be sensible. We don't have to go to extremes politically on either side of um, preventing anyone from having anything or allowing everyone to have everything. Uh, these are things that we talk about in our country as though they haven't been resolved or at least addressed more adequately in other places. And I think with each continuing murder, with each um, horrific attack. We really need to be thoughtful in terms of what we're doing, what our values are, how we can compromise on policy without in terms of principle and really have the kind of effect that we want so we don't have to talk about these. We yeah. don't have these kind of things happening. These aren't a regular part of our daily lives. All right, Laura, our thanks to you. Let's get some thoughts uh, from the left and the right here uh, on this uh, very topic. Robin Winston, former state party chair for the Indiana Democrats, uh, wh where does this conversation go from here, Robin? A conversation that obviously has been had uh, at the White House, at the State House, and, and very much top of mind here in Indianapolis after what happened this past week. Well, the other thing that happened this past week is that President Biden laid out some uh, policies relative to addressing gun violence. And he is going to make sure that those get codified and send those up to the House and the Senate for action. Dan, we have so many cross-checks. If you fly, there, there's ways to check your ID. This young man, unfortunately, had some run-ins with the law related to some mental health problems. 
I don't know why we can't make that part of the overlay for background checks that if you are going to buy a weapon, this kind of information is shared on a national computer that that's brought up and maybe your access to these is not allowed. And we don't know, obviously, a lot about this particular case, still getting a lot of information. Mike, uh, your view on that from the other side of the aisle is, is there room for middle ground in this conversation? There hasn't seemed to be a lot of that lately. Well, there's always middle ground. In fact, I think the fact that the uh, constitutional carry bill is not going to succeed in the state house shows that there are some self-limiting factors in the legislature and that uh, even the Republicans will only go so far. But uh, Robin mentioned the key word, which nobody seems to want to talk about, and that's mental health. We have to do more about keeping people with mental health problems away from guns. And, you know, it's not the guns, frankly, it's people who, who have problems and they get access to guns. And there's got to be a way to make sure, as, as Robin so, said so well, lay that layer of mental health consideration and checking over the gun process. Uh, but Adam, this seems certainly like a conversation we've, we've had so many times now. That's right. You know, you, you have to wonder what the future of the NRA is going to be, particularly its convention here in Indianapolis. Uh, we've hosted it in 2014 and 2019, and we're scheduled to do so again in 2013. Uh, will there be the political will locally uh, to continue to, to host that? I'm also interested in seeing uh, how the Biden administration is going to continue to redefine uh, bipartisanship, uh, not by what they can get through uh, the House and the Senate, by what by, by what support they have out in the country. And we know that uh, Democrats, Republicans, and independents across the country support, uh, you know, basic gun reform uh, that we haven't seen yet. So uh, will they try to triangulate uh, around congressional Republicans uh, with the support of, of, of people out in the country to get something done. All right, let's change gears here. A couple of big headlines at the State House this week. The veto override, the revenue forecast coming in with an additional $2 billion more than what lawmakers had originally expected. Uh, Mike, what should lawmakers do with that extra money with just days left in this year's session? Well, I think they need to be very careful, frankly, and they need to not overpromise and overspend because the worm always turns. And as soon as we spend that money, there'll be a big recession right around the corner. I think Ryan Mishler and Tim Brown are both excellent chairmen in the financial area, and they'll, they'll be judicious about it, frankly. I do think teachers need to be paid more. I mean, 10 years ago, an Indigo bus driver made a lot more than a, teacher's, a teacher with a master's degree. We need good bus drivers, but I think we need teachers with master's degrees to be paid well and, may, and so they're willing to stay in the industry and teach. That just doesn't happen in Indiana. The market does not value teachers and that needs to change. Robin, certainly schools, teachers unions say they could use that money. Will they get it? Well, not only teachers unions and teachers, but time and time again, when you put these things to the vote of people on referenda, Voters have said that they will support operating increases, whether they're in Hamilton Southeastern or in Beach Grove. They do support teachers. So I, if the legislators, and Mike was one of them and, and served honorably there, but if, you know, if, if they indeed support what the people say, then they will listen to the people and, and let there be more money for our teachers who work each and every day, whether they're at home 
or in the classroom to make a difference in our state's future. You know, Adam, it's not often that states come into this kind of money all of a sudden. Certainly the economy in better shape than many had expected. A lot of that economic optimism does hinge on us getting out of this pandemic once and for all. Uh, what impact will this vaccination pause have in that regard? And, and what do you make of the state's handling of the situation this week, having to suddenly change gears at IMS and elsewhere with this J&J &J pause? You know, Dan, I woke up on Tuesday morning uh, expecting to get the Johnson & Johnson vaccine at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, um, and I was quite frankly shocked and, and, and surprised at how skillfully and quickly uh, Indiana Department of Health officials uh, and others were able to uh, replace the vaccine uh, with Moderna and get it, uh, you know, uh, out to, you know, thousands of Hoosiers uh, on a dime. Uh, that, that's an excellent example of government working for people and working well. So grateful uh, for all of those who made that happen, uh, waiting for my second vaccine here in a bit. Uh, but yes, uh, you know, th this is a huge setback for the Biden administration. They've been making gains on vaccination. Uh, it, it looks like uh, we are going to be farther away from, from community immunity uh, than, than what we were going to be with, with Johnson & Johnson in the, in the quiver, so to speak. Uh, this could be, you know, difficult uh, to, to fully open back up the country, uh, get students back in classrooms, uh, but we're, we're hoping for the best here. Robin, uh, certainly a lot of people have wondered, was it a mistake to shut uh, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine down altogether in terms of messaging? Anything you think the administration could have, should have done differently here? No, I think they did the right thing. First off, you got a president that says we should get vaccinated and publicly did get vaccinated unlike the other guy who said we don't know and quietly got vaccinated. So we've been transparent all the way through. If there's a question anywhere, Joe Biden's administration, Biden-Harris administration has said, let's put a pause on it in the best interest of our country. Okay. Thank you all. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. We'll be back right after this to wrap things up. Stick around. Thanks so much for joining us this week. We have much more on the FedEx shooting on our website. Much more to come on Fox News Sunday and Face the Nation. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus.